You are listening to AnswerCast. Hello and welcome to AnswerCast, a series of insightful conversations with leaders who are shaping the new world with their expertise and passion for technology, innovation, customer experience, global business models, marketing, strategy, and much more. Hi, this is Smita Hemige, Head of Marketing, ANSR. Thank you, Laurie Riley, SVP People, Communication and Legal for Northern Tool and Equipment for your time today. Welcome to today's episode of AnswerCast, where one can get all their answers. Laurie, we have a good number of listeners and I'm sure they'll want to know, uh, you know who you are and, uh, and know a lot more about Northern Tool and Equipment. It'll be great if you can introduce yourself and NT as well. Fabulous. Smitha, it's great to be here with you today. Thank you so much for inviting me to this podcast. As Smitha mentioned, my name is Lori. I have the privilege of leading people, communications, and legal for Northern Tool and Equipment. I've been in business about 35 years. It sounds funny to even say that. I spent most of my life in retail and in healthcare. Um, Had the honor to join Northern Tool and Equipment about nine months ago. We are a company that is very purpose-driven. We take care of people who do the hard jobs. We provide products, tools, equipment for the welders, the plumbers, the electricians, the contractors, and for the DIYers, the folks that want to take care of projects at their own homes. Um, It's important to us that we provide quality products and great advice about projects. When you come into our stores and interact with our teams, you can actually get uh, great advice for how to go about using all of the tools and handling those projects. Our company is just over 40 years old. Our revenue is about a billion six. We just had our highest revenue year and we have big growth plans for the future. So our team here in India is an integral part of those growth plans, helping us to achieve uh, not only doubling the company, but plans uh, beyond that and continuing to provide fabulous service for all of the the people that do the hard jobs and supporting our mission. We're family owned. We have family values. We look after each other. We have a very caring culture. That's an important part of our history. Um, something we want to continue from the founder to our current owners and uh, well into the future. That, that really matters to us. Thanks, Laurie. And I'm sure we can draw a lot of insights and knowledge from the, um, you know, over three decades of experience that you have. <laughs> so to, to <laughs> go ahead. I was just chuckling at the over three decades of experience. <laughs> That's true. I hope that I have some good wisdom to share with all of that. Yeah. So before we you know, get started to the question, I just thought I'd set some context. Technology was already changing the nature of work before COVID-19 took hold. Innovations were redefining the basis of competition in most industries. And consequently, talent companies needed to win them over in the long term. But businesses rebuilt in the aftermath of the global pandemic. And those that take the opportunity to remake and future-proof their workforce will pull far ahead of their rivals. Even before working from home became a norm, digital technology was transforming how and where work gets done and how many people are needed to do it. In today's edition of AnswerCast, Laurie and I are talking about how organizations need to build skills, fill gaps, and relook at ways to future-proof their workforce strategy. And at such times, needs measures which are not business as usual. Let's dive right in, Laurie. Sounds good. 
So my first question is actually based on a recent survey that I read from Bain. It said more than 60% of a company's future role can be filled by its current employees, assuming that adequate programs are in place. Is this really possible? What are the measures that you know, your peer group are actually taking? It's a great question, Smitha. Uh, I believe that we can absolutely fill the majority of the future roles with our current employees. Taking a long view is important. And it really starts with the basics. You have to know your business. I know we say that all the time as human resource professionals, but really knowing your business, not just now, today, where you're at, but the long-term view. Where's your company going to be in three to five years? What are the key strategies? Who are your competitors? What are the potential disruptors? I don't know that we always think enough about who those disruptors might be, what could change our industry, and how to pivot our workforce around that. So I think it's important to step back know your business. If there are gaps in your knowledge, go and fill them. You know, ask questions, take partners. I think it's really important always to have not only the inside view of the company, but the outside view of the company, inside out and outside in, I like to say. Second point is really you've got to know your people, right? What are What is your current workforce's strengths? What are the opportunities? Where are the gaps in, in the skills that you have today? What are your people's yearnings? What, what are their aspirations for themselves? To step back again and think about your people and your employees as you would your customers. I think there's so much good work in the customer space and how we think about that, that we can mirror in human resources. And just as you measure NPS, you want to measure your employee NPS and you want to click into that. A rolled up number is interesting, but not very actionable. You want to click into that to understand your employees as, as close as you can get, as deep as you can get, and really find out what's on their minds. Make sure you're communicating with your employees. What, what are the gaps you have today? They might be able to help you fill them. They could raise their hand. They could make more referrals. And make sure they understand what your long-term needs are going to be so they can think about themselves with their current supervisor and how they can fulfill their learning plans and ways to get ready for those future jobs. I think transparency is absolutely essential. Employee experience is a hot term in our field, and it really is a personal, personal term. Every employee's experience is different, just as every customer's experience is different. Again, taking, taking a page from the customer journey, how we think about our employees. One size does not fit all. But working with our leaders to understand their future needs, working with our managers to understand our current workforce, talking to our current workforce, and then figuring out what are the right talent strategies that bring all of that together. It's not easy work, but it's some of the funnest work that we get to do. A talent strategy starts long before hiring. And you and I talked about this earlier today. It has to start with your employer brand. What's the brand that's in the marketplace that attracts people to be interested in you in the first place? What do your current employees say about you to their friends and family? Are they proud to work for you? That's a question I love in the engagement survey. Knowing that your employees are proud to work for you is such an important cornerstone for us. What do former employees say? Are they proud to have worked for you? Did they leave with, with their uh, cup half full or half empty? Did they leave you better than when they joined? I think you have to think about that. Um, it's broad, but it's also localized to each area of the business. Your talent strategy, you need an overarching strategy, and then you may need a different strategy. In my world, for example, for retail, for the stores, 
uh, different than what the merchant strategy is. So there will be elements that are customized by the different talent segments. Segmentation, another great uh, concept to, to take from the marketing, the customer journey. I think about working with the leaders then, really clicking into the conversations with the leaders to understand their current roles, their business models, and how they see those evolving. Helping to forecast the short, mid, and long-term needs for their business. Um, I love data. I think data is important to our business as it is to every other business. So understanding forecasting is not a perfect science. Future proof is a great concept, but it's uh, never 100% proof unless you can be really agile and have the forecast that you can pivot around. I think that's really important. The next point I'd really emphasize is having a learning culture. Having a culture where people know that learning is valued, where they're more than encouraged, they're expected to learn, to own their own journey in a supportive environment with great tools, great conversations with their boss. You know, I really ascribe to the 70-20-10 concept. 70% of what we learn is on the job, 20% is in the classroom, 10% from a mentor. You know, having that culture where people think about that and they're using every experience to enrich, uh, to learn, to grow their skill set, so important. Uh, having career conversations. Do leaders at all levels know how to have a career conversation with folks and understand how to, to uh, flesh out the aspirations that, that their employees have? And then also having a conversation with employees so they understand what the future needs are going to be. You know, I think if people know you're going to need more data scientists, more information security professionals, things like that, then they're more likely to want to lean into that. Promoting career mobility. I'm all about transparency. So promoting career mobility, encouraging people to be aware of the jobs you have open, maybe not just the ladder, but the career jungle gym and how they might enrich their experience set by moving around your organization is super important. And then I encourage people to step back and really take, take a chance on your people. If someone is 75 or 80% ready for a job, why wouldn't you take a chance on them and teach them grow them, help them fill out the other 20 or 25%. Sometimes we're looking for candidates that are 100% ready and have done everything. And, and you may have somebody right in your own organization that's at least 80% ready. Take a shot. Give them a chance. Somebody gave each of us a chance at different points in our career. So I think that, um, you know, continue doing that. And then I'd say celebrate redeployment. Redeployment is a concept um, uh, that even if small, right, if you've been able to take somebody from a job that's being made obsolete by process automation, something else, um, help them find another job in your organization to move into an area where they stay with your company, they keep that company knowledge, try to move, move them about wherever you can. Many of our organizations are vast, so that's not always easy, but a talent marketplace can really help you with that and then celebrate it. You'll build on it. You might start small and, and grow that practice. And then I had an interesting example I wanted to share on this front. One former company that I worked for was having great success, and they still are, and they're partnering with a tech school in their local market because they have employees who are being disrupted by automation. They're working in a business process area. And they also have the need to grow info, information security talents. Sounds like an, uh, maybe not an obvious thing, but they've worked with the tech school and with the employees, at least those that are interested, to enroll in training to become information security professionals. And they're having some great success. So I think you also should be creative. Think outside the box where you've got good people and you know you're going to need different things in the future. Connect them and, and try to bring, bring them forward into those new roles. Thanks, Laurie. I think you, know, you covered quite a few and I think you've, you've kind of spoken about you know, and touched upon many, many key aspects, which actually 
uh, kind of differentiates the good from the great right so uh, and you know it kind of gives me the right kind of um, you know segue into uh, my next question and i think um, you know with the companies in the new normal i want to understand from you how can you redefine how great looks like um, mm. you know they will find that people how what do people do how do how can success be defined and all of this which was uh, a certain norm earlier needs to be looked with a different lens and um, you know it needs to be supported with tools and technology and the right kind of processes so what's your view do you think that that lens has changed it's evolved it's gotten further nuanced what's your take on that that's another great question you know we we are under transformation um depending on who you listen to the pandemic either is or isn't over you know i like to say water hasn't necessarily found its level yet we're still under transformation someday we'll look back at this time and i think we'll see that we've had more professional societal personal change than we even realize when we're in the midst of it um i think a lot of introspection has happened with people um a lot of grief a lot of uh, difficult times but also um so people stepping back and reclaiming time i think hours are the most important thing we all we all are thinking about maybe a little differently so what does success look like and that what is great look like that right um again i go back to some of the basics success probably never was really about face time and clocking hours we might have thought it was about being in the office and and there's still a need to be in the office but it's not about the face time and the clocking the hours it's about our humanity bonding as people how do we bond as people in whatever environment we're in whether it's back to the office hybrid entirely virtual companies are doing all of those models but how do we invest with intentionality in getting to know each other as people uh in collaboration using tools like video i think video is one of the best tools we've had through the pandemic reading body language to be able to understand if that really resonates um uh, some of the best leaders i've worked with schedule things like uh, you know fun time uh virtual tours i had one leader i was working with that uh, scheduled virtual tours of a castle in scotland so i think things like that that bring a team together and bring the humanity that's about building great teams will be successful whatever conditions come at us in the future and then success really more than ever is about influence how do i work with people influence things to come about that need to happen what are ultimately those impacts and those business results did we drive the metric that we were after the revenue the ebitda the nps whatever those business results that are that are incumbent on that individual role did those things happen right i think that's that's always going to be important how do you get there what are the tools the resources you know i think clear goals again it's always been important but probably maybe even more so today where there's so much noise in the ecosystem clear goals clear roles that's never easy but it's important uh, clear interaction models when when teams tell us in engagement surveys and one-on-one conversations that it's not clear how to work together we got to listen to that and 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 not sweep it aside but really do the hard work to understand those models so that people have more of an ease about how they do their work you know success starts with clarity of purpose do we have purpose do we understand the purpose of the organization we're at the company do we understand the purpose of our particular function do we understand the purpose for our particular role if not we've got to we've got to answer those questions if our employees don't then we have to answer those questions it's hard to be engaged if you don't understand the purpose of your role adults you know if you get into andragogy and pedagogy right adults really understand need to understand the why of their work 
what's the purpose and then why am I here to, to achieve that purpose? Everybody needs that ultimately to do their best work. I think to engage people fully, they've got to know that they make a difference. So to me, great success, those things are timeless, making a difference, hitting the business impacts. Um, how we get there, how we work together is continuing to evolve, but ultimately making sure that we have those questions answered. Thanks, Laurie. And we did speak about, you know, how um, Northern Tool and Equipment is actually looking at a trailblazer growth, uh, you know, in the coming years. So, I mean, and uh, typically scale and growth brings its own interesting problems to solve, right, from a workplace perspective. Um, so beyond your employees, what is the management development program that um, NTE and, you know, what you also get to see in the industry that HR leaders are actually going and implementing to create that leadership pipeline that will support this exponential growth, that will help get through these nagging pains of scale, uh, you know, uh, create courageous leadership who are able to, um, you know, respond to the stimuli and actually help grow the organization. So I want to hear your thoughts on that. Thanks, Meta. That is a massive question, broad and far reaching. Uh, I'll do my best to, to share some, some thoughts around that that hopefully folks will find helpful. And I start with uh, the old adage, people work for people. Managers work for managers, right? Uh, that really hasn't changed in my 35 years in business. We want managers who care about us, who invest in us, who trust us to do the work. It's no different with management roles, with leadership roles. Uh, every manager, every leader needs a manager and a leader that cares about them and invests in them. Investing in the frontline managers for me is always sort of job one in this space. People's work experience is most influenced by their boss. Who do they work for? Who onboards them? Who makes sure that they are able to master their current role? Who helps them when they can move into innovation space? They might make some mistakes. Who has their back in those circumstances? Who's there for them during those personal challenges? Who holds them accountable? Right. So having frontline leaders that feel really comfortable helping people, holding them accountable, developing them, all of those experiences are what help the individuals grow and actually what help the managers grow. So that as the managers grow into higher levels of leadership, they bring those skills with them. So I think investing in frontline leadership is just job one, very essential for all of us. And then how do we grow talented leaders who move around the company? So if you move into a role where you don't have experience because we want to broaden you, that looks a little differently, right? We need to have a different kind of onboarding plan, a different kind of space for leaders who are taking on really new challenges. For leaders who are taking on challenges in a vertical where they're very experienced, their growth pattern, their learning plan might look a little different. I really like learning plans. I think for an individual to write their own should start with that. And then their leader helping them uh, with their own, with added perspective, tools, classes, things to think about. But there's something about sitting down to write your own learning plan as a leader that um, you're so busy taking care of everybody else, you may not always do. So I really encourage new leaders or leaders in a new role to, to step back and take that, that moment to, to, assure their success, the odds of their success, by having a clear development plan. And then in this space, I think a lot about growing talented leaders from within. 
People want to know that they can grow their careers within the company they're in. That should be a value. I'm not sure if there's an exact percent. Maybe it's half, maybe a little more, a little less, depending on circumstances. But we want to grow our own leaders. And because of that explosive growth, we also need to be able to bring in outside leaders. We need to bring in leaders from different industries, different geographies, different different backgrounds to help us stay fresh, keep new ideas, to infuse that with our leadership team. And then I think it's important to be intentional about how we bring together the leaders that have grown up in the company with new leaders that have been infused, um, you know, ensure our cultural concepts, our values are, are preserved and are there as those teams become high performing teams. And as those leaders continue to move up the ranks. Again, I think development is just really important at all of those levels for every company, but particularly for us and any other company that's in a hyper growth curve. Thanks, Laurie. And, you know, we've come to the final question, um, you know, in, in today's podcast. And I'm going to shift a little more gears. And um, and this is something that I've always asked a lot of HR leaders, uh, you know, to get their perspectives. I think even without the pandemic, tomorrow's managers would have looked for a very differential value proposition from their workplace. I'm sure it would have been a sea of difference, um, you know, in the last 10 or even five years. How does one figure out what tomorrow stars want? Because we can predict for today, but if you want to really create a winning pool of talent, talent that is passionate, curious, you know, punching about their weight, how do you know what their future aspirations are? And, um, you know, is there like a secret sauce? I love secret sauce. That's great. Um, you know, I smile at this question. I think, um, I don't know if any of us knew what we wanted in the future, at least very, you know, early in your career, you think you know what you want, or maybe you think you know what you want. It, it's a, this is a continuous conversation that needs to be had. So my first answer is I heard this question was, well, you talk to them, you, you talk to your future stars, your incoming talent, your prospects for recruiting about what their ambitions are, or their aspirations are. And then you keep having that conversation. That's not a conversation you have once and put on a shelf, right? As people continue to grow, the world continues to evolve. You know, for, for myself, for example, my career aspirations maybe had to flex a bit when I had my children. I had to think about being a good mom and being a good wife and all those steps of the journey. My career ambitions were still my career ambitions, but they had to flex. And so I think life affects timing of people's ambitions um, again, if I go back to the pandemic right now, one of the things we're hearing is people are really reflecting. How are they spending their time? Are they going after their goals? Some people are shifting up and becoming more ambitious. Some people are, you know, shifting a little down and trying to balance things out differently. But, you know, all those things will change over time. None of us uh, is the same, you know, every five years, right? Every, every so often we, we have pivots in our life that we need to think about and we as leaders and human resource professionals need to think about for the talent of our workforce. So I just really encourage this to be an ongoing, active conversation. Thanks, Laurie. Um, I think it was um, really wonderful talking to you. To, to quickly sum up and recap, uh, you know, the conversation that we've had today, uh, to future-proof the workforce, companies are developing new ways in which they can look at performance, reward, and even training strategies or learning moments, like the way Laurie alluded to. Equipping a company to excel in a changing business landscape isn't just about technology. It also requires a workforce with the mindset that is 
willing to take on new challenges and embrace new ways of working. Um, Laurie did speak about how you know being able to build a culture of having pride. Um, you know, in employees working for you, it applies to their alumni too. Um, employees, um, you know, need to build a good knowledge of business, have an inside-out view and an outside-in to the company, um, knowing your people while being extremely customer-centric um, are going to be key. Encouraging organizations to have a strong employee mobility program, as well as creating learning culture and celebrating achievements are great aspects to consider when looking to build a sustainable leadership pipeline. I really like the idea, uh, Laurie, when you spoke about learning plans, it's something that I am going to do and it's something that I'm going to do for my teams as well. And I would like them to go back and build their own learning plans. And I think it's going to be exciting. Technology is fundamentally changing the nature of work. Um, you know, we did speak about how talent management has become extremely strategic. It's become holistic. Uh, if not anything else, it's gotten rigorous and most importantly, data-driven. Organizations that rebuild, um, you know, their traditional analog processes will, and, and if they don't, they'll be outpaced by, um, you know, the more, um, you know, digital-enabled competitors. Given how much time it'll take to win a, a talent pool that can punch above its weight, companies must begin future-proofing their organizations today. Laurie, it was great talking to you. And, uh, you know, look forward to keeping our conversations going. My pleasure, Smitha. Thanks so much for having me today. I'm looking forward to our continued conversation and journey together. Thank you for tuning in. Please join us again for an exciting conversation with yet another leader answering the unanswered questions. Follow us on our social channels for the latest updates.